0: Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, happy Wednesday. We are continuing our conversation about Why heaven will mitigate our suffering on earth. So, if you haven't listened to the first part of that, go back to Monday's episode and check it out. But uh, today, we're going to continue with the reasons that we find in scripture for why this is the case. And just as a, a quick review, on Monday's episode, we looked at three or four reasons being that, first of all, heaven and earth and us in it will be new. God himself will live there with us and will have access immediately to his presence. All suffering will cease. And finally, that justice will, for once and all, truly be served. So continuing along, I want to look at a fifth reason starting today, and that is that heaven will be a paradise. In Revelation 21, verses 18 and 19, we read that the wall uh, was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. And then in Revelation 22, 1, we read, then the angel showed me the river of water of life bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Part of what we get in these descriptions, however brief, in the book of Revelation is that most of the focus is on the capital city of the new earth, which is the new Jerusalem. And based on the way Jerusalem is described here, one of the pictures of heaven and the new earth that we should have in our minds, if we're going to be as biblically accurate as possible, is that it is an absolute paradise where there is just more than enough of everything Uh, the the amount of precious metals and stones that are said to adorn these cities are just incredible and based on that it kind of leads or implies this idea that things that are considered scarce or rare here that are really valuable are just not really an issue in heaven it talks about how the streets are paved with gold that's a lot of gold and i think part of part of the shift that we will have is just that things that we once considered valuable are just in absolute abundance and that it will be a place where there is no more want for anything and that's not to say that that we will be focused on those kinds of desires but just this idea that heaven will be a place where everything is just more than enough. It's abundance. And that comes out of, I think, God's goodness and just the exceeding and abundant blessings that uh, Paul writes about that we will inherit as believers. That, that if this is how God sees us and this is how God wants to bless us, then it, it makes sense that the new heaven and the new earth would be places full of abundance. And so that is what we see described here in Scripture insofar as it goes with just what heaven itself will be like. And that kind of an environment, again, is going to alleviate suffering because so much suffering in this life is caused by a lack of, of something. Whether it's resources, or food, or water, or relationships, or uh, in some way, shape, or form, a a need is not being met. And that's one of the ways that suffering occurs. And part of why suffering won't happen in the new heaven is because there will never be a need that is not met, uh, because there will be abundance of everything that is needed in, in the new heaven and new earth. Next... And this is where things get really interesting, I think, is not only is this the kind of place we will find ourselves in, but Scripture tells us that we will reign over it. Revelation two five says, They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And I want to draw your attention to the one word in here that is different than what we might expect the lord god will be their light and we might expect it to say and he will reign forever and ever but it's actually us it's the plural they will reign forever and ever the the holy ones of god now why is that we see this kind of a idea hinted at in the parable of the talents for instance we also see paul teaching something like this in 1 corinthians chapter 3 that there is this idea throughout scripture that those who are faithful will inherit responsibilities and roles in heaven that correspond or correlate to their faithfulness here on earth and so when we get to heaven we should expect that we will have work to do and that the work that we have to do is going to be a reward for our faithfulness here in this life. Now that cuts directly against this idea of heaven that a lot of people have that it's just going to be sitting around and singing and playing instruments and, you know, basket weaving or whatever people kind of conjure up in their minds as a caricature of heaven. We will not be bored. We will be given an entirely new creation and we will be expected to reign over it, and to be responsible for it. That's a lot of work. But it will be work that we will enjoy, I think, because not only will we be doing it, but we will be doing it with brothers and sisters who are just like we are, in that they have been fitted for eternity. And only people who love Jesus and have submitted their lives to him will be there. And so there will be a like-mindedness and a con- a connectedness and a aspect of teamwork that I think none of us will have ever experienced before uh, in heaven in, in the way that we work together to solve problems and to rule and reign over this new creation. And then lastly, we will be God's family. And just this idea of being God's family is i think one that we we can gloss over a little bit too too quickly but it's really important and it has to do with why we will be given these roles and responsibilities as i mentioned before in deuteronomy 32 8 it says that when the most high gave the nations their inheritance when he divided mankind he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of god now, for those of you who have followed uh, this podcast for a while, or if you've read anything from uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, you know that we ascribe to this Deuteronomy 32 worldview, as Dr. Heiser calls it, which is this notion that uh, what we're reading about in Deuteronomy 32:8 is Babel. It's the one biblical event that sort of fits this description of mankind being divided and their borders being fixed, but that. Deuteronomy two eight goes on to say that the, these nations at Babel were uh, split up and basically given over to spiritual beings called the sons of God. Now in Job 1.6, we also see that there was a day when the sons of God, B'nai Elohim, the same Hebrew phrase, came to present themselves before the Lord. So clearly, these are spiritual beings that we're talking about in an Old Testament context. In Job 38 verses 4 and verse 7, it talks about creation. Were you there, God asks Job, when I laid the foundation of the earth, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. These are clearly spiritual beings because they are present at creation. People weren't yet created at that moment. And so these are spiritual beings we're talking about. But what's interesting is that in the New Testament, this language begins to be applied to believers. For the first time really ever in biblical theology, Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Romans eight fourteen says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And one more in Galatians 3, verses 26 and 29. It says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So what happens here in the New Testament economy is that in light of Jesus, we as believers will someday replace or complement the sons of God who are spiritual beings who were designed and created by God to rule and reign in heaven. And when we inherit the kingdom, part of what that means is that we are considered sons and daughters of God. And therefore, we are given the roles and responsibilities that in an ancient kingdom, sons and daughters of the king would be given. You are not part of the Uh, bureaucracy. You're not going to be put in accounting. You're not going to be put uh, in some menial role or given a task that is beneath your status as a son or a daughter of the king. You are going to be put in kingdom positions, positions that matter, and those are going to be part of your roles and responsibilities, and it has everything to do with the fact of who you are. Is, is part of why we will have these roles and responsibilities. So we will be, and we indeed are now, part of the family of God if you are a believer, if you are in Christ. As Paul says, if you are Christ, then you are heirs according to the promise. Well, an heir is family. And so part of being the family of God, I think, is a big, big part of why we will be able to look back on the suffering in this life and view it from that lens to say, it all led us to here. It led us to a life uh, in a new creation where no suffering exists and never will, where we are with people and only with people who love God. We are in god's immediate presence we are given meaningful work to do in bodies that will never wear out or tire and we will be able to enjoy god and one another and this creation that he made forever as his sons and daughters and enjoying all the privileges that being family brings so in summary i think what it all boils down to is that in the end heaven will dwarf suffering here on earth so that we view it as as paul says light and momentary it is not that it doesn't count it's not that it doesn't matter because it is part of our journey and it led us to the place that we will be in at that moment however when we are in heaven and we are looking around at all that is there for us i think the overwhelming nature of all of that is just going to dwarf our suffering, uh, in our own view and from our own perspective. So tomorrow we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about the nature of just what it will be like in heaven and whether or not sin is something that could ever happen in heaven or not. And if it can't happen, then doesn't that mean that we are somehow not free? So we're going to talk about that tomorrow. And we're going to dive into that more uh, in, in greater detail then. So I hope you'll join me.